We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that type. We're talking <laughs> e-games, emerging media, cannabis, and so much more. Without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. Plus three brothers, <laughs> various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. So it all comes down to it's boom and bust, boom and bust, boom and bust, and different parts of the supply chain getting attacked and, and, and basically swallowed whole unless we figure out a way just to go forward. You know how we're uniquely positioned to kind of come out of this boom and bust play a little bit more, maybe push back another economic doom scenario for America, America in particular, after every kind of uh, huge crushing blow to the world, right? Money always rebounds. It comes to the U.S. first because we're uniquely positioned to rebound much quicker than other countries, right? Exactly. Flight to quality is where I was going exactly. We're a safe haven relative to South America, Europe, Asia right now. In the first quarter of this year, wasn't there like almost a trillion dollars from international investors mm-hmm. poured into our U.S. equity markets? That's not even talking about real estate, other, other places. It, right? it was the bond markets, too. That, that's, that's, it was, it would, they were buying, when the Fed stopped buying some of those repo transactions, the corporate debt, foreign people were buying the corporate debt, right? Okay. And so it was still, way, way to but, stroke what I call the American ego and the American centric way to think but about I, this. I want to disagree with Jintu here for a second. Now I want to disagree yeah. with you too. There was like one second and only, and, and only because I think you bring up really good points, but that's the real economy, right? That's not the economy economy. And, and, I, and I'll tell you what I mean. And, and Atul knows this because he and I have had this discussion before privately a bunch of times. <laughs> the quintessential snapshot of COVID and the American economy has been, on one hand, stock market hitting records high. And on the mm-hmm. other channel, a thousand luxury SUVs in the suburb of Dallas looking for food bank food. And the food bank ran out at 11. And there's still a thousand cars sitting there waiting for their meal, right? Those are two different worlds, right? We are in for a bifurcation, a striation of wealth like we have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And the middle class is going to get destroyed. Right. So when Tindu says, okay, there's some pockets of, of ebb and flow and there's some pockets of supply chain, what you're talking about is how real economy functions, right? Like, hey, the price of cheese might go up for a while because trying to get that milk from the farms into the trucks and all that stuff is going to, it's going to be a little bottleneck, right? Semiconductors right now, a little bit of bottlenecks. You may have to wait a year for your Tesla or for your gaming system or your whatever, right? That those are those, those bottlenecks. Okay. But what does that do to Tesla stock and, and Nvidia stock and all that stuff through the roof, right? They're not seeing those ebb and flows that mirror the supply chain bottlenecks. Why? Because we have literally injected tens of trillions of dollars that had no business being in this economy, in this economy. And when that much money, it has to go somewhere, right? You're not just going to put in your bank account getting (laughs) 0.0025%, whatever in your savings account, right? You're going to throw it at the wall and hope that something flies because one thing that hits is worth like nine that did it. You know what I mean? And so- Powell, I think, said the most profound statement on this economy a year ago, and I think it is still true today, that there is so much steroids into this economy right now that the slightest bit of rate increase or turn down on stimmies, right, the stimulus capital injections is going – what he actually said was we can't handle it. We can't handle either a quarter point rate increase or a slight decrease in spending. We can't handle it. And I believe that is a million percent true. And where you're starting to see, you're starting to see articles of inflation and stagflation and deflation at the same time. 
Um, yeah. I he's, wanted he's to backtrack to you, Ethel, just real quick. Look, man, an American, you took an American-centric view. We come from a culture that's more than 5,000 fucking years old. You and South I, Asian, yeah. the South Asian culture and the Chinese come from the same thing. 5,000 years of existence. There was a divergence there, right? We, we, we explored diversifying everything all the way down to our food and the way we dress. They kept it very monotone. Everything is the same. You know, two different dynamic global econ- economies sitting right next to each other, fighting right. for everything. And here we are, America. We are lucky. We are fortunate. We have a lot of advantages because we have the world's strongest military and all this stuff behind us that allows American dollar to power through. But this, if you want to think about this as a war, this was World War III, not a freaking bullet fired. And we are not doing so hot. If you compare the Chinese economy, which has had 8% growth continuously for over, for decades, we are sluggish. We are slow. We're injecting this economy like an old beat up body that yeah. barely has a heartbeat now is on dialysis. We're putting everything we can yeah. into it to pump every bit of this organism, right? But then there's China who can build a bridge, a hospital in freaking weeks, all right? Yeah. They could build yeah. a bridge tomorrow. They could build a dam any day. They could just do whatever they want. And here we are going, huh? The bridges, the bridges are old, and we don't. We want a high speed train. Oh, we can't pay for a high speed train. Oh, wait a minute. We need, we need new highways. Oh no, we can't pay for new highways. Yeah. Are you telling me that all these capital infusions and everything have given us an economy that's going to withstand China? No, we've talked about this. We talked about it on a previous pod. So everything corrects at some point, even China, right? They're now allowing three, four babies or three, three babies per family because they know they're running out of people, right? It's projected they're going to have like 700 million compared to their 1.3 billion by the end of this century, right? So that, that's a huge productivity downplay on their economy. I agree. We're a shit show uh, right now. The way we're heading, I think, you know, and both of these, so we have to counter everything that's happening with China. And that's a different topic we... Clive and I and Anthony covered that, and we're going to cover it again. Uh, I agree. I think that they're far superior to us right now as far as a lot of execution on play and a more homogenous thinking, right? Because things are, you know, there's some issues going on there. But back here, I mean, we're, we're getting everything poured into here, right? Retail, you could tell who the, even just domestically, Amazon, Starbucks, and, you know, getting down to that detail level, who are the great operators? When faced with these kind of things. Home Depot, beautiful example, right? Um, we have to look at like this eviction, a lot of these evictions that are talking about, Clyde alluded to it earlier. You have almost 20% of adult renters are unable to be behind adults. on payments. 11 million adults. Yeah. yeah, and there's behind on payments. There's going to be a wave of people that hit that fan with no home. And we talked about this on an earlier pod, saw some crazy shit. Chintu, I saw a lo- Las Vegas. What did we see out there after uh, on our trip? Barag, I couldn't hang with you in Chicago last week because Lollapalooza hijacked our plans, right? Um, 100,000 people, no mask on, kicking it. <laughs> um, but we couldn't, I mean, but we, I saw homelessness more in Vegas and New York City than I'd ever seen before. I told these guys, people shooting heroin on the middle of the street in the middle of the day. Never seen that kind of shit. That's going to just amplify with all these concerns, right? We're sacrificing the ends of the curb. I mean, I think yeah. Brog broke it down. If we look at it, yeah. we just backtrack. We put all together into a, to a thing. COVID exposed us to what is the worst case scenario across every discipline, medicine, the economy, politics. Yeah. We've exposed all of our weaknesses. 
Whereas a homogenous economy can fight through because they just follow the leader. We have fallen apart and we have sacrificed the poor and that that ratio is going to increase. And surprisingly, because of the whole MAGA thing, we we sacrifice some of the rich too. think of all the business owners, the guy that committed suicide in Texas and some of the folks who didn't believe we lost the the great founder of Godfather Pizza. We lost all sorts of people. (laughs) We lost all these guys. Yeah, Yeah, we lost all these. uh, We sacrificed every sheep we could for this battle. And every weakness that could be exposed has been. And how we move forward depends on how we address that as people and as leaders. And we can. The good news is, although you're right, I think we can we can outdo China because we're faster than those fools. We innovate quicker than anyone on earth. We can innovate right now a solution. <laughs> well, well, that's another conversation. Let's let, 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 let what you were saying here. Seven, you and I talked about this on the last pod here. Uh, and I think Jitu is right um, on on the the expansion of this problem. But uh, Adil, you and I talked about this last time. 70% of Americans lived paycheck to paycheck in December of 2019. That's before the pandemic. 70% of Americans lived paycheck to paycheck. That got worse. Okay. Because as you, as you touched on, all of the market trillions of wealth only went to the top 1%. It was Bernie Sanders, the top 1% of the top 1% of the top 1%. But, 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 but that's, that's really what it is, right? And so to Claude's point and to your point, you are going to see more home and your, the evictions, right? And this goes back to your Walmart point of tuition. What you're seeing is our government is locked. We can't get mm. 60 votes to pass anything. Right. Yeah. So everything becomes a watered down bill. So corporations lead. Corporations took the lead on the $15 minimum wage when we couldn't pass it. Right. Yeah. Walmart and companies take the lead on tuition reimbursement because we can't pass it. Right. Yeah. And so if you want the consumers and the employees who are all on these more fringe level of wealth to benefit, you're going to have to have corporations lead because our government is leaving us behind. Check, check, look at the PPE. Look at the PPP, right? I mean, hey, a lot man, of us got to touch Indians. on that. <laughs> no, but no, but PPP, right? That was handled somewhat efficiently because banks, private companies got involved. Government can, wasn't going to be able to do it properly. Look at there's been 45 billion just for rental aid put aside and given to local communities. If you look at some of these communities that inherited an influx of people because they could work remotely. Now those people are getting evicted. So the rents are actually going to go up. Those people, because the landlord's like, hey, I can finally get my money. A lot of that rental aid, less than 10 to 20% hit actual people who needed it or landlords to make them whole. So it's just a shit show. You can't have government running these kind of things, right? Uh, we can't do it in, in our thing. We don't have a homogenous mindset like you alluded to China or some of the other South Korea even. And, and we can't, the, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah, ahead, and one of the things about China that, you know, I think we shouldn't disregard is that they have a, a, a dictatorship as a government, right? Like if they say that yeah. we're going to do this, there's. I didn't no- say it. That was Clyde.com. If you want to burn 25 million people in December. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that either. <laughs> but no, but my point is like, if, if they set rules in place, they have to do it or there going to be consequences for us. We can't get people to wear a damn mask. Like, <laughs> to go to go into Walmart. So I think yeah. that there are some differences in, you know, the expectation levels. And, you know, that's that's one of the good things. That's one of the things about being an American. Right. You have a freedom of choice. It may be bad choices, but at least you have the freedom of choice and you Clyde, can do things you can't put it this way. I'd rather be American any day of the week 
All right. Agreed. Uh, exactly. You know, so that's. I'd, ra- I'd rather live in a country full of bad choices and all the stuff we're going through than China any day of the week. And I, I will say that hands down over and over again. We're we're uh, we're supposed to be the beacon of hope on on this goddamn planet. <laughs> we're going to have to restore some of the light. <laughs> yeah, well, and then yeah. that goes. It, it, into, it gets to. Oh, go ahead, talk, Clash. Now, what you're going to say, and, that, and then that layers down to your government, right? So you talk about us not being able to get stuff done. It's because there's politics in play. They're they're focused on their constituents who they have to please to get voted back in to keep these cushy jobs that, you know, some of them have been in politics for 20 plus years and they're people keep voting them back in. So it just makes it difficult to do simple things. You talk about infrastructure, you talk about um, building trains, like things that makes that makes common sense. I think about a time when I used to live in Atlanta. Traffic is probably the worst in the whole United States. Yeah. They put something on Everybody the bill. Everybody says that, though, Clyde. Everybody says that. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Right? <laughs> uh, they uh, they put something on the on the, the ballot to have trains to extend so that people can get back and forth in and out of the city. It's failed because people didn't want their taxes to go up. Governments didn't want to pay for it. You know, so there's a lot of factors that come into play. But you know, you have the freedom of choice, and those dollars will probably be used on I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Something that's not going to provide any value for anyone. No value, right? Yeah. But, well, the thing is, we have freedom of choice, but we also don't because we are a government right now where the elected choose their voters. The voters don't choose their elected, right? And wow. and this is where you get to the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and For the People Act and things like that. The reason that we can have our government hold us hostage, which they have for decades now, is yeah. because we have the Electoral College. And so a lot of these policies and a lot of these people who are enforcing these policies and a lot of the courts that are enforcing these policies were not picked by the people. This is not by the people, for the people, of the people. It's not. Our Supreme Court is not. Our electors are not. Heck, our president isn't sometimes, right? <laughs> and so that and, – and, and, and we have had two elected presidents, right, who didn't win the popular vote. They Oops. didn't win. And so, so that's when you start getting into, well – the democracy choice is the fir- and the first one came right. So remember the nineties when actually Republicans <laughs> and Democrats could actually go out to dinner. <laughs> no, but absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, and, um, and balance budget. Yeah, but it's the, budget you could go amendment. out to dinner. You, you could disagree on politics, but you could have a cordial conversation. You can't do that anymore. And that's solely put on one man's feet at one man's feet. Right. And whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you have to acknowledge that fact. And it's sad. We've gone down to this. Everything becomes politicized. If you were to say if Amazon, Amazon or Walmart, these folks have to guide this shit, as Brog said, because government can't institute it. If you say, hey, you have to wear masks when you come into work, Amazon's employees. If Amazon says that's fine. If the government says the same goddamn thing, oh, hell no, my rights. Well, that's you know? starting to happen. Uh, that's starting to happen. It's, you think about exactly. United, that's right? They're mandating all their employees get vaccinated. There are a number of corporations that are going to go, going to take their path because of your exact point. The government can't get it right. And, yep. you know, the private the CDC sector. CDC is still lagging, guys. Yeah. We're yeah, waiting no. for recommendations. They are still lagging. Well, they, they don't want to but get you, it wrong, you, right? They've been. You do. Is it unfair, though? Is it unfair? Because this shit hit us like a brick. It's not something they could see coming, but then I guess that's their thing. You have, you remember, that's, you have country, they have people stationed around the world Ebola, looking for this kind of shit, right? Ebola yeah. never touched our shore because of, of the efforts yeah. of, of, of the CDC and governments just kind of addressing keeping the disease outside and isolating. Us then. And, uh, on, the, on the spread level, on the viral load, uh, so the Ebola contagion level, sorry. 
Compete relative Ebola, to coronavirus. Ebola is kind. Of, it's 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 a it's a spreader too. You just need to be exposed to that bloody product. It has enough virus to blood carry product it. versus airborne. It's right? not so airborne. It's so you, need, you need a direct contact with some some secretions of some sort. That coronavirus can, is airborne, right? Coronavirus and, is airborne. It's not, it's not surface in the air. Yeah, and the exactly. coronavirus. So much, is, think about the Delta this way. Delta's Delta is just as contagious as the flu. This one, yeah. this one's spreading just like the flu. Is it? It's much more. It's like two hundred times more contagious, but not as um, if you're vaccinated, let's say. But an unvaccinated is ravishing through those conditions. You don't lose your taste of smell and all that, and taste. I guess you don't use taste and smell as much, but then you get sick. Okay, so here's here's the nerdy solution for you. Quickly, quickly, give it to us. Quickly, vaccinated individuals get exposed to this virus all the time. As they get exposed to it, up until now. We could say that this person couldn't spread it. The Delta virus, the vaccinated individual can spread. And this is the reason why if we don't start masking again, we it's it's going to be another shit show. This virus in the vaccinated population can cause disease and can spread. Very different than, you know, the variants we had before where the vaccine was adequate enough to prevent even just transmission between people. And so this is this is what we're dealing with right now. So it's just a different scenario. It's contagious. It's easy to spread. Even the vaccinated can spread it. Holy, we need we, we yeah. needed some guidance like ASAP. But hey, man, it's not coming. You're right. I so think then- I think you hit it on the spot, Clyde. Private industry has to step up and has to play CDC now. And they would need the help of folks like Parag, nerds like myself, sitting in rooms going, what's the best way to keep my employees employable and working and productive Mm -hmm. during each one of these waves of doom that I was trying to tell you before that are going to cause these surges? And if private industry needs that, yeah, there are plenty of us that can give tell them what to do. It's not that hard, but the CDC is lagging. They're not giving you guidance when you need it. And when the data comes out, there needs to be a response and the response has to be fair. So your employees don't run away and it has to be something that the population will do and hopefully keep, it's about keeping this cycle of capitalism running. This, this train (laughs) keeps running into the same wall and the response gets slower and slower. It should be faster. We should be on this government can't keep up. And that's the answer. Wow. I mean, that's, that's sad. And then one of the things that, as I think about this and government not being able to keep up are the kids, right? There are a number of kids, 12 and under, who are not eligible for vaccination because they haven't run through the testing. You know, as two experts in the space, like what's your insight that we should be thinking about for kids who are um, essentially they're just Petri dishes for sickness in general. <laughs> and then you layer in this is like, what should we be thinking about? What should we be doing? Look at the numbers. We should be thinking about this. Look at the numbers in the South. Children hospital loads have increased down there proportional to the unvac. So, okay, let's back up and just, just visualize this. This is what I call the Zen moment. If you have a vaccinated population, measles doesn't come into that area and hit those vulnerable Amish people sitting in the backwoods with their buggies because you have this silent wall of antibodies just floating around that community, keeping things from flowing. If we were vaccinated, like Maryland is a great example of the county I live in, is over 80% vaccinated and all the people that could get it have it. So we have this silent wall of antibodies that's protecting a lot of the vulnerable people within our community. 
And unless we're able to get that threshold, the people who are exposed are exposed. So kids are not vaccinated and are clearly exposed. Unless we had this wall of antibodies keeping this from spreading all over the map and a little bit of masking to keep it transmitting from people to people, it's going to hit them hard. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we're starting to feel as folks are flight-flighting folks from children's hospital to children's hospital 100 miles away. This has not happened before. So why would a governor who said, we're never going to mask in this state, retract everything he said and say, oh, shit, we better mask? It's because you have to protect the kids now. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I wrote an article about this a year ago called COVID Kids. And I think um, there's a lot that we're missing in kids. It's a very long, nuanced conversation. I won't get into any of that right now. But I'll tell you this. I'm in touch with the CDC a lot. And when the CDC issued their, hey, you don't need to be wearing a mask indoors if you are vaccinated, I immediately contacted them and said, this is wrong. You should keep masking indoors until children under 12 are eligible for the vaccine. Then it becomes a personal choice, a choice of freedom. But for until the kids under 12 can be vaccinated, you are making that choice for them. And that's not okay. But the bottom line on kids is this. A year ago, there was 100,000 kids tested positive for COVID. Nine months ago, it was a million. Now we're between four and five million. And guess what? We don't test kids. Kids don't get tested in school. They don't get tested before school. They don't get tested anywhere. So these kids who are coming up positive are coming up positive because there was an impetus to test them. So if there are 100,000 to 1 million to 4 million in a year, guess what? The real number is way, way, way more. Okay. The other thing with kids is that even if they're asymptomatic, if you actually scan them, you will see damage to their lungs. You will see scarring. And this is like a tool for you and I, when we were kids, asbestos, you didn't know what asbestos and lead paint was going to do to you for decades. We don't know what the exposure to these children will do until five, 10, I move. we're going to call them the COVID kid generation. I can't, I, I shit you not. That's what they'll be called. And elevated CO2 levels you're seeing because of mask wearing a little bit. But you also wrote there another no article. elevated oh, CO2 level. Well, that's what a lot of people are saying. This one. Uh, hold on, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I'm, I'm hearing. But let me get to this one point. Let me get to this one point because you actually wrote that article. You also, you also. And we're hoping that children, the impact in children is the impetus to actually making some sort of change and waking people up. But guess what? You also wrote, Barag, another phenomenal article, the Sandy Hook about gun gun violence. Mm hmm. They didn't change yeah, shit. I, I, Kids it, got gunned down. It didn't change shit. So I don't know if COVID, a viral, you know, I mean, it is what it, it no, is. No, I, I agree. People have been telling me since Par- when Parkland happened, they said things are going to change. And I said, I don't believe you. And I tell you why. Because we had the right president and the right administration when Sandy Hook happened and they did nothing. If you can see four and five-year-olds get gunned down and do nothing, nothing will change. Right. Yeah. And that's, and, and. The, the, we are seeing a change now because you are seeing kids, kids being hospitalized, but it's way too late. I've literally been screaming at the top of my lungs on the mountaintop about this for a year. And we have Lambda coming. We have Epsilon coming. And I'm not trying to scare people. We can beat this thing if we actually use our brains. Global strategic we planning. We, mm. could, we could beat a lot of things, but we didn't treat this as a war. This was a political pawn. This was something that was used when you take a public health problem and you use it in a political game, people are going to die. And that's what we're seeing. That bell curve is the effect of taking public health and turning it into a game. You should never do that. 
this is so from your this perspective is, this from is nerddom this is where we yeah. we make the rules we figure this out yeah. we don't need you politician joe or anyone telling us how to do this <laughs> we need you to listen to us and get a way to develop a global strategic response yeah yeah and then for the and for the immediate use case right now give us the top three mask wearing hand washing what's the third to prevent vaccinations vaccination vaccination, 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 vaccination that of course be number one in, that's number one that's number one but what other third thing that you could do personally on a multiple times a day is what i'm getting at that we should be doing i mean not looking at i think those are the ones that we can do individually and i'll let you do it yeah I'll let you, no, what, I'll, well, I, I think i think it's hard to make a whole bunch of rules for our society yeah I think we sure. have to be very simple and we have to be simplistic. Like I said, the politicians and CDC, everyone's messing this up. Universal masking until the pandemic is over should be somewhere on everyone's agenda. And if is you're that in a indoors closed space, and outdoors? Indoors mm-hmm. more. Outdoors, yep. if you're out in the open, it's not going to do anything to put a mask on, just make you sweat. Okay. But if you're because you're if you're next to somebody you don't know, they're unvaccinated, you don't know anything about them, just like a sexual partner that you've never experienced in your life is ready to, to just make out with you. And uh, come on, man, it, it, you're going to use protection. You don't know that one. Remember <laughs> these know? words, no glove, no love. No <laughs> glove, no love. That's what, what the mask is. Well, you know, the the 90s were a blur. The 90s were a blur. No <laughs> glove, no love. But, but I, I, I think where we go one step further is this. What I told the CDC three months ago when they came out with that is what I'm going to tell everybody now. When kids 12 and under can get vaccinated, then you can have a discussion of where we start cutting back on restrictions. Because sure. children in schools, are, children are breeding grounds. Children are breeding grounds yeah. for everything. But the yeah. children are also our most prized possession. We can't risk them. And we're doing both by not protecting them, by not doing these masks. So these two generations back-to-back, millennials have gotten their asses kicked as far as economic terms, right? Uh, in many regards, right? And then right after that thing is Gen Z, which would be... Yep, Gen Z. Your, our, I guess our kids. Our, our kids are Gen Z, right? It's like, 18, like to zero. 18 to 0. 18 to 0. Okay. Oh, so all our kids are Gen Z. So, but they're getting shellacked by this COVID, like you call it, the COVID generation. Let's see what happens. Uh, damn. <laughs> We're supposed to be handing off a better... Just, to our okay, kids. okay, just backtrack, backtrack. When's the last time you've seen polio? Yeah. It did pop up somewhere, right? Recently? Sock was a humanitarian. He didn't take yeah. a patent. He came up with a vaccine. He spread it as far and wide as he could. Still, the dominant countries kept the vaccine localized, localized in the rich parts of the world. And the last time I saw polio was about 15 years ago in India. I married Chitna. I went to go to. I went to her village, and there was a young girl with polio. I couldn't understand why she couldn't use half her body. And mm. when, it, when it dawned on me, I was like, "Oh!" Then all these polio vaccination schemes actually went out into Africa and Asia, wiping it off the planet. That was the last mRNA virus that actually put people in iron lungs and killed people. Wow! And that took seven years to develop. And then you had smallpox, basically kind of the same thing with the forced vaccinations going into tribal areas and just educating and, and, and administering them. But to pull it back financially, because you're talking about generations, right? Yeah. This is where I think we get to be really interesting. When we were growing up, it was cool to be a millionaire, right? About 2030, it was cool to be a billionaire, right? By the time these kids have been to be our age, it's going to be cool to be a trillionaire because yeah. we have put the printer on high and we let the paper go to infinite loop and we walked away. Right. And so the gap 
between the haves and the have nots will continue to grow. And these kids and these younger generations and the tuition that they help they need because the prices go up. It's all going to be about rebalancing. And, and, and as I said before, and as you guys have all kind of echoed as well, companies are going to need to lead the way because if you don't, what you're actually doing is hurting your consumers. And that's why these companies are doing it. They know that they need to uplift their consumers because if their consumers don't have enough, they don't have a buyer. Right. And so yeah. that's why you're seeing social democracy le- legislated through corporate policy. What a world. Yeah. What a world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so this is, this is, this is, uh, a great, great conversation. And, you know, I think we're going to, we can, we can probably go all day on this. One of the things I want to end on is for our audience, you know, definitely take this advice to heart. Um, these are, two true professionals. Um, they love whiskey. So they're good with me. They could, they should be good with you. Uh, and one of the things I want to make sure that they walk, that you walk away with is we can do more. We're going to be all right. Uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> okay, and, Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to be all right. We just need time. We need to follow directions and you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep it going. You know, thank you again, both of you for, for joining us. Um, this has been a, a amazing conversation. It's in two parts. So if you're listening to this piece, you're probably at the end of part two. And, uh, you know, we want to dive into, um, the next part of our show, which, you know, is probably a little bit more lighthearted, uh, but something that we, that we love to do, uh, is something that you call shit you should know. Uh, yeah. shit you should know is basically a part of the show where we dive into, you know, what you're reading, what you're uh, doing, watching, just something our listeners should know out there in the world. It could be highbrow or like Athul likes to do a little lowbrow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Athul, I'll I'll target you to go first. What you got? Okay. I'm I'm thinking, um, and this is going to, this is going to be near and dear to, we're we're missing Anthony. He's on his trip. Right. And, um, He's he. I think he made some money on the Robinhood IPO last week. <laughs> 30, 35, 40 cents, whatever he made on that trade. <laughs> so he's 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 booting it up in Connecticut. Um, I think he's at the Lebrano Sexuals summer camp. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> Lebrano Sexuals. Oh. Lebrano Sexuals are coming, man. I think LeBron thinks the NBA is the Olympics. Uh, we're supposed to have super teams. Um, it was, you know, NBA is kind of watered down at this point. You have great, great talent, but it's now fun when it's like all on two teams or three teams. So, um, you know, you know, at this at this camp that LeBron's trying to lead, uh, you probably have one toothbrush, but ten dudes get to use it because that's the way to win toothbrushing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm doing that for you, Clyde. Uh, it's no fun when Anthony's out here because he'd be like, "What? What? What?" <laughs> anyway, the book I want to give out, um, and we've t- I've talked to all of you about this before, and I actually mentioned this other book because we covered mental health on a previous episode. I think we need to do a part two and part three. It's a very important conversation. And we talked about the chemical imbalances to then executing and performing at an elite level. Tim Grover. He's from half aware, uh, Chintu and I, Chintu from and 100% of me. Um, <laughs> it's Punjabi dude. He, he was Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, kind of the hit list of hit lists. Their personal trainer. He released another book. Um, the first one I mentioned before was, uh, Relentless that we talked about on a previous episode, actually when Kobe passed, unfortunately, last year, but winning the un- unforgiving race to greatness. And he's made some very aggressive comments 
around all the other things going on in sports right now, mental health and in, in related. And so we should, we'll tackle that, but he's just a brilliant guy, not a great, great speaker. Uh, he's like a hard ass dude. Who's like, you know, he's tell, comes from that physical sports training world, but he's phenomenal as far as thought and what he can get you to do with your body and your mind. Right, that's a book I recommend. Thank you. Thank you. And that's amazing. And, uh, one of the things that, you know, I want to dive into is, um, the metaverse. Uh, the metaverse is this nice. new, new space where I think Facebook is trying to dive into. A lot of tech companies are trying to dive into. But if you think about it in the simplest form, it's like a Roblox. Um, alternate, alternate worlds. And, you know, I definitely want everyone, our listeners, to dive into it, research it, look into it. But the metaverse is going to change the world. You think about augmented reality, virtual stuff, VR. Um, this is kind of like next up. So get into it, do your research, but the metaverse, I want to make sure that you uh, dive into that. Two things on that, Clyde. Uh, so, you know, we're sleeping on Facebook. I'll go Instagrams are liable. Facebook, now people are using Oculus, I think is going to be a major player in that metaverse world. And you know, a, a way to get a good sensor on it is there's a movie that's made for kids, Ready Player One or something yep, like that. Yep. That's a metaverse, like true being. And NFTs and all these things, we're investing in this space. We're looking into it. Um, check it out. Good point, Clyde. That was great. Yeah, Re- Ready Player One, my, one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Phenomenal. <laughs> so dope, Sequel coming soon. Sequel coming soon. Oh, is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sequel ah. coming soon. The book two is already out, I think, and then uh, Spielberg's going to make the second. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, two real quick nuggets. One, if you are a Robinhood trader, the Robinhood stock just hit uh, options, and it is the among the highest premiums for covered calls you will ever find in week to week. So if you want an annuity, even if you're not a Robinhooder, Buy that and sell the cover calls every week. You're going to make a lot of money. Just watch out for the volatility, but you're good. Nice. The second thing is, if you're, I'm a whiskey guy. You're all whiskey guys. You guys may not know I have a whiskey investment company. Um, what people may not know is whiskey is the highest performing asset over the last 10 years, year over year. So go look that up because that's pretty cool too. Dope. I tried getting these guys in it, Parag. We're, we're having these further conversations. We're all supposed to be a part of that. <laughs> He's got, I got one more allotment of finances I can put in. All right. I'm going I'm to end with some weed. All right, I'm going to talk a little go. bit about we go. But I, I'll tell you what my favorite book is, though, just because I think you started off with some good nerd stuff, and I, I just want to chime in. So far, one that kind of blew my mind and got me thinking a little differently, because, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in this world, and sometimes you need to kind of rework the mind a little bit. And I, I'll say this, mental roadblocks are probably what hold us back the most. So Abundance by Steve Copeland, that's a great oh. book. You know, just just kind of a good way to kind of look at economy and money and stuff floating around and understanding that 100 years ago, you know how people say, I want to go back in the day. I'm like, hell no. They didn't have running water. I don't want dysentery. You know, I didn't want to go back in time to to live that life. I like having having, you know, all the stuff I can buy now. So so, you know, abundance is kind of that it plays off of the fact that we are in this world full of. I mean, we have an abundance of everything. We can produce, we can ma- we can mass produce tomatoes for God's sake. But breaking down to number two, weed. Over this last pandemic, the one area of the market that blew my mind because I do, I do weed consulting for fun with, and I see patients all the time in my off time. Uh, it was out of control this last year. I mean, folks really kind of, you know, when you're, when you're trapped and you have, you're in a, a battle of despair, sometimes that anxiety relief from weed is amazing. And I saw probably more patients than I've seen in a while just treating and, and working it through weed. So 
don't discount, you know, some of the naturopathic therapies out there and, and take a look at some of the interesting ways that we do have at our fingertips to, to treat, you know, some serious disease. That's what Shout I got. Shout out to your wife, man. Uh, you know, shout, and your shout wife's out helping to you Chandler run it now. Sharma. Right? She is, she is the dope. queen of my universe, my multiverse, <laughs> my megaverse, <laughs> my, my All infinite. All our verses. <laughs> your verse too. No, she's so dope. Let me tell. Let me tell you this, right? So we had we talked about this a year prior. We all got a beach house in Rehoboth Beach down by you know somewhere last September, and we're like, you know what? Let's go to Grand Canyon next year. She's like, she's like, give me some data inputs, like a true Daisy girl. She's like, give me some data inputs. I got this. She planned the entire ten days. Um, we Grand Canyon. We hit four or five states. I don't even know. Like uh, props to her. Um, you know, rock star. And you know, she took. Look, there were times we had to be out of an Airbnb by 10 a.m. 9.57, we're pulling out of the driveway. I got goddamn family members. You got to be out by 10 a.m., 1 p.m. They're like, where's my toothbrush? I'm like, shut the f*** out of here, man. <laughs> so like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not traveling with you again. So I only travel with these guys anymore. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, uh, so yeah, thank you, fellas. Thank you for participating in Shit You Should Know. One of the things we like to end with is our whiskey, right? This is the Whiskey Hue. Oh. We've been sipping on Johnny Walker Blue Label. Um, uh, you know, Athul recommended it. Uh, it's something that I'm a big fan of. Um, Brog, Brog. Yeah, I'm a big fan of. I'm, my guy Steve had his wedding, and he had like you know boxes and boxes of this stuff for the for the groomsmen in the back door. So you know nice. that, that's one that that's one of my memorable moments with with uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label. So uh, you know, I probably won't dive deep into you know all the Roma and everything like I normally do, but. You know, it's just one of those special early whiskeys as you're as you're coming up. You always hear about the blue label, the nice blue bottle. That's the one you start with. So, you know, it's definitely worth diving into. I think you work your way up to it <laughs> as the budget well, allows. Well, when, you go, when, you get, when you get your first nice one, right? You, yeah, you yeah. know, you don't you don't go into the, 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 the pappy. You don't go to the pappy first, right? You get the blue label. Then you, you work your way up to the pappy, right? So... We should we should uh, allude to this. So, like we talked about earlier, right? Um, you mentioned the blue label. It comes from you know our we we have a lot of uncles that drink this shit. You should you should talk about it, Barack, because you brought it up. But you know, I have to say, Clyde, uh, he's the non Asian dude on this podcast right now of us four, and he's been to. But I want to know his South Asian friends because they're richer than we are. He's like, man, I had this. He was showing yeah, me pictures from, the back door. <laughs> from an Indian wedding in Spain. I'm like, damn, I was in Chicago, man. That's where my wedding. <laughs> I'm like, I got to get to know his friends. It was man. a great time. Yeah. Blue label was flowing. Had the uncles, you know, they they took care of me. So I definitely so appreciate what, the uncles. What Clyde alluded to up top, like, so I have an uncle, right? So if I drink anything but whiskey in front of him, like I had a gin and tonic. He goes, he comes by me, gives me a look. He goes, lady drink. <laughs> in a nice, thick ass Indian accent. And he's the same uncle that, you know, the more he drinks, the more English he starts to speak, and it's not a great vibe for everybody. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm going to leave right there. Got an accent. <laughs> Rock, tee us up. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Thule asked me, he said, what, what whiskey you want to do? And I'm like, you know, I got I got some niche stuff, but everyone loves Blue Label. Let's do the Blue Label stuff, right? I mean, growing up, you knew an Indian wedding was going to be lit if they had Blue Label <laughs> at the bar. And if they didn't have Blue Label at the open bar, every uncle was talking about it. Oh, they cheaped on the bar. They cheaped on the bar. Where's the Blue Label? Only Black Label. They cheaped on the bar. <laughs> We just remember, just notes. remember, those guys don't know what it tastes like. So you could actually give them Shabazz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying I've been to 
a wedding or even hosted one back in the day where we drank all the blue label, put Shavasa in, and they're like, oh, and we got a blue label sitting there. Hey, you drink a Shavasa, <laughs> it's Shavasa, bitch. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, we could do tasting notes and stuff, but for me, drinking is memories, man. Like, that's the cool yeah. part about some of these, you know, these, these different flavors and years and stuff like that is who did you have it with? What was going on? Like, what does that bring you back, you know? And, and I, I see a tool. I'm like, man, I got to have some blue label, man. Let's do that. I like it. it. I love like it. it. Love it. Um, so, yeah. uh, so thanks, thanks, fellas. Thanks for sharing. Johnny Walker Blue Label. That's an easy one. Everyone knows where to find it. Uh, what I want to end up on is say thank you for listening to the Whiskey Hue. Thank you to our special guest. We really appreciate your time. Uh, this was very insightful, knowledgeable, everything from uh, uh, COVID uh, to uh, the economy <laughs> and so much more. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Page. Uh, you're going to see the video of this. <laughs> Just kidding. Chintu, so this is live streaming on YouTube. You're yeah, cool with that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm cool. I'm recording. I'm recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just let it go. <laughs>